We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, The place to up-level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat. Okay, so sometimes I feel like I'm a personified confession booth with a neon blinking sign that says, tell me all your taboo sexy secrets, because people will literally tell me about all of their sexcapades or their masturbation practices, and not necessarily for advice, but because they just feel like they can. And truthfully, I feel really honored because that must mean that I reek of sexual liberation and tell me all your stories. (laughs) (laughs) Or something dope like that. I don't know. Maybe it's my aura is bright pink leopard print (laughs) something. I don't know. I'm not that evolved yet to to see that. But recently I was in a conversation with a few men I had only just met and the topic of masturbation had come up. And I was like, score! This is my favorite topic. (laughs) And they were talking candidly about how often they pleasure themselves or even how their girlfriends felt about it and what types of porn that they used. And the honest confusion that they have experienced around whether or not what they're doing is good, whether it's normal, whether it's okay for them and their sex life or not. Now, I'm super biased because most of my conversations somehow steer towards sex, but I don't believe that the majority of men talk about their masturbation habits, right? Well, We are today, and I've got Taylor Johnson here, who is a sex educator and coach for men, helping all the sexy men in this world create epically pleasurable sex lives full of confidence, authenticity, and connection. We are going to talk about semen retention, the no-fat movement, prostate stimulation, and multi-orgasmic experiences, jam-packed with all the sexiness. But before we get to Taylor Johnson, I want to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank you for your reviews on iTunes, and if you haven't done it already, show me some love. Then share this with your boyfriend and tell him that you want to do some dirty, sexy, cosmic, orgasmic play with him. And I think he'll say yes. Just a hunch. Because my goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex so much better. And if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show, connect with me, and read more about how you can up-level your sex, love, and vitality. Now, to our epic guest, I'm so stoked to have on the show, Taylor Johnson. Thanks so much for coming on here. Hey, 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 yeah. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm I'm super excited about this conversation. And while you were doing your intro, I was thinking, wow, you're that person. I'm totally that person in my community too now where people come up to me and they tell me all their like their wild ejaculation stories and their just like sex capades and they're like, hey, is this normal? Hey, my leg cramped <laughs> when I was ejaculating the other day. Has that ever happened to you? Like I hear all the stuff. Yeah. And, and I feel like entertained by it but also super honored you know and I'm excited to talk about it pretty much yeah me too I'm like let's yeah let's dive into this and it's so interesting I I wonder I'm like is that because I don't have energetic boundaries or is it just because I talk so freely about my sex life that everybody feels permissive to talk about theirs I I I think it's the latter (laughs) I I think it's the latter in combination with the reality that people don't talk about their sex lives, you know, and people really want to talk about this thing because it's such an important thing that all of us are fascinated by and we want to do and we want to explore more, but there's all these taboos around it, you know, and there's all these societal norms and and programs. And so if we see somebody that does talk about sex professionally and we're like, oh, wow, I could, yeah, let's go, (laughs) you know, share all the stories because who else are they going to talk to about this? Isn't that interesting? It is. We do want to talk about it. I literally have this little buzz in my body. I'm like waiting, you know, somebody brings up just a smidgen of sex or even like they're talking about a sex that a cake that they had called better than sex. And I'm like, ooh, opportunity to talk about sex. Go. And I... 
Mm-hmm. So if you're listening right now, a challenge for you is to go talk with somebody about sex in your social circle, if it feels exciting and fun, because that's how we can normalize this stuff. You know, more people talking about sex, I think is great. We just started the show and Taylor already dropped a challenge for you all. <laughs> it's true. I, I'm really curious about it because I think about my own journey into becoming a sex educator and really just coming into it to heal and understand myself in that aspect um, because it was not completely non-existent. So for, and this is a, like we're taking on a big role to be a set educator. Like we're literally taking on the conditioning of the world. And what made you decide that you were going to take that on for yourself and be like, okay, doing it, doing it. I'm going to reprogram this world. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it didn't start with a random thought. That's for damn sure. (laughs) It started because I really struggled with this stuff too. Like yeah, years ago, I struggled with premature ejaculation in like horribly, you know, and it gave me crippling sexual anxiety, like to the point where I would even avoid interacting with women that I was attracted to for the fear that eventually we might be sexual and I would probably be the guy that would come too soon. Mm. And when you say come too soon, what do you mean by that? Like, is I that mean, like, like two seconds? Is that like you look at them? Like, what is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe like 10 seconds, 30 seconds, less than a minute, you know, like less than two minutes. Definitely to where I'm not even enjoying the experience of sex because I have so much anxiety about coming too soon that that becomes the focus, you know? Mm, wow. That was my points. Also, I went through a porn addiction that was horrible for my relationship and you know, just masturbation all the time, ejaculation all the time, um, just all kinds of stuff, you know? And eventually I went through this big journey of, of realizing like, hey, this is, this is not how I want to be living my life. This is not the kind of sex I want to be having. I don't feel excited about being a man in the world in general. Like, I don't even know what it is really, like, what does it even mean to be a sexual man in the world? So I started mm. reading books and doing some experiments and went on this like many, many, many year process of diving into all the different workshops I could find on the topic, retreats around the world, books, all this stuff, and really did start to experience some results. And then I realized like, oh, this semen retention thing is legit. And holy shit, it is actually possible to have a non-ejaculatory orgasm. And wow, like when I stop watching porn, my relationship improves, my friendships improve, like everything improves, you know? And eventually... I realized all the books on my bookshelf were about this, about sex and intimacy and relationships or something. And it's all I wanted to talk about with my friends. And so Mm -hmm. this idea really actually came from my friends and a girlfriend at the time. And they were just like, Hey Taylor, you like, like, why don't you talk about this professionally? (laughs) (laughs) And here you are. And you have some of the best conversations. Like I love watching your YouTube videos and joining the conversation on Instagram with you because you, you just, you bring conversations forward that need to be had. And they're, they are for, I think for so many that can create some hesitancy around and you're just like, nope, here it is. We're going to talk about it in your face. And, And I, personally really appreciate that. Um, So you a moment ago had said that you had a porn addiction and masturbated all the time. And I think porn and masturbation is very normalized in our in our culture. And so for a guy who's listening to this and wondering, well, how much is too much? Or when does it become an addiction? What was that defining factor for you? Or how would you help a client define that for themselves? Yeah, that's yeah, that's an awesome question. And the first question I would ask, just baseline, is are you happy with your life right now? Are you happy with your sex life? Like, are you thrilled about your intimacy? You know, are you thrilled mm. about your sexual relationship or relationships? And if you are, great. You know, if you're watching porn five times a week and you're totally satisfied with your sex life and your your entire life, like awesome. I'm not on a mission to change you from that on some fundamental dogmatic level. But if if you do that self-inventory and you realize, hey, actually there is something else. Maybe I feel like I'm missing or I'm, I'm wanting this thing or, or maybe there's like something nagging at me and I can't quite put my finger on it. Then I would, I would encourage you to do some inquiry. 
you know, like mm. look deeper into this. Like if you're watching porn multiple times a week and ejaculating multiple times a week and you're experiencing maybe a lack of clarity or drive or purpose in your life, or you're feeling some brain fog, or you're not feeling inspired so much, porn and excessive masturbation could be possibly the reason for that, you know? What do you mean by that? What, how does porn and masturbation cause brain fog? Great question. <laughs> I got them. I got lots of them. <laughs> it's a great question. So, I mean, and if I had millions and millions of dollars, I would fund research on this topic, you know, and maybe somebody listening to this has millions of dollars and wants to grant, re you know, money to the research project, which would be awesome. If so, email me, please. Um, but, <laughs> but think about it. Uh, there is a lot of research out there on brain function and watching porn, right? And when we watch porn, generally speaking, we're watching something that has been professionally shot or edited to be as stimulating as possible. And there's no way any human in real life could, could uh, compare to a person on the screen who's changing camera angles every three seconds, you know, to up close mm. images, to wide images, to the other side of the room camera angle, to like up by their head camera angle, to down by the genitals camera angle, you know? And that oversensitizes us to visual stimulate, you know, stimulation. Mm. And, and mm -hmm. combine that with, you know, when you, when you take that into the world or when you take that into your relationship, your baseline for stimulation is so high that you need something almost equally as high to, to like feel sexually normal in some way, you know, mm -hmm. at least I'm talking about right now, sex with a partner or even masturbation, right? You're not going to reach that same level of stimulation because you're not having those camera angles changing every few seconds and combine that when, if you masturbate, you know, every day, Mm -hmm. multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. Again, the research out there is, is slowly growing, but it's kind of foggy. The way I like to think about it is that if we are talking from an evolutionary perspective, right? If you have a penis and you ejaculate, you're completing your mission as a member of the procreative species, right? You have perpetuated the species. You have impregnated somebody. You have done your biological duty to procreate, and it puts your system into this state of relaxation, Mm -hmm. the, yeah, there's a hormone. I think prolactin is released. Prolactin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prolactin is released. There's all sorts of other stuff that happens in your brain. Basically, you go into a state of what I like to think of as non-peak performance because you don't have to go out there and find, quote unquote, find a mate. You know, mm -hmm. you, you've completed your duty so you can rest now. So and you roll over and, and fall asleep and just... Yeah, you eat a sandwich, you know, you want to watch a movie or something like that, which is great sometimes. But if you're doing this every day, again, it, it's it's possibly not ideal for your lifestyle, you know. And yeah. the impacts of these neurochemical changes have been shown to last for days, if not up to a week or two. Really? It's pretty wild. Wow, that's that's crazy. So if we're encouraging... You're saying the solution for that, or one of the solutions to that is semen retention. Yes. Is that is that the same as not masturbating or how do you, or do you masturbate? But I don't know. Help me tie that together. <laughs> yeah. So that's an awesome question. So, okay. What is the solution to this? Uh, personally, what I have found works really well in my life and what I teach to people is a what I call a semen retention lifestyle, mm -hmm. which means that you have, as a person who has a penis, you have a particular frequency of ejaculations that is ideal for your life. Maybe that's once every mm. seven days, maybe that's once every 10 days, every 12 days, every 20 days. And it's probably dependent on your age and your lifestyle and your exercise levels and even the weather outside or the seasons, you know, and your diet and all these different things come into play and if you figure out your ideal ejaculation frequency, then you can have as much sex as you want in those days and like reap the benefits of that. You reap the benefits of connection, of pleasure, of non-ejaculatory orgasms, of intimacy, of physical touch, and have those be like additive things to your life and then ejaculate when it's ideal for your body and your brain and then not go into this state of some, what some people call ejaculation hangover. Or <laughs> hangover. I love that. Yes. Okay. How, 
first of all, how does somebody determine what their optimal rate of, of ejaculation is? And then how does somebody do that? Like, because I can, I, I get that there's, I mean, I don't have a dick. I only know this from reading books and, and you know, like having partners who have a dicks. But, yeah. you know, there's that point of no return where you're just like you're out <laughs> there's no going back um yeah so how do you how do you determine that practice and oh. experimentation like this is you know so my main thing is i like combining esoteric wisdom from the past with current modern practical things you know Mm -hmm. draw a lot of what I personally do and teach from yogic sexuality and Taoist sexuality, what a lot of people call Tantra these days. Um, and, and in those traditions, they see sex and being intentional, intentional with your sexuality as part of a holistic lifestyle practice, you know, and it's worth investigating. And they say that if your sex life isn't in order, and if you haven't done some investigation and practice there, then it's probable that you're not living to the fullest extent that you're capable of. You're probably not giving your fullest gifts to the world, you know, or being as successful as you would like to be. And so that's a little just encouragement for, for people to, to dive into this. If you've never really thought about this stuff before, like maybe take a moment and, 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 and think about like, hey, oh, does my sex life, do my sexual choices impact my entire life? Probably, you know, possibly, possibly so. And then if so, do you want to experiment? You know, do you want to go for a two month period and literally, yeah, mark down the days in which you ejaculate and pay attention to your mental state afterwards. Pay attention to if you get in arguments with your partner in the day or two following that ejaculation, pay attention to your clarity and your feelings of motivation and all this stuff. And over a couple month period of experimentation, eventually, you know, with practices in there, um, eventually you're going to reach some sort of idea some sort of idea around this. And if you've ever heard of Montauk Chia, he wrote a book that most men who are going down this path have heard about. It's called The Multi-Orgasmic Man. And in the Taoist system, they have a framework based on your age, a certain amount of ideal days um, between ejaculations. And it's based on, you know, if you're 20 years old, it's this many days, if it's 30 years old. And I don't remember the exact figure, uh, but it does take some experimentation to get there. Mm -hmm. Personally, personally, I... Mine is somewhere around 10 to 12 days. And I like to have sex regularly, like much more often than once every 10 to 12 days, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I find that if I ejaculate once every 10 to 12 days, I don't experience a drop in my uh, motivation and excitement and drive to create new things in the world, you know, and, and zest. And, and I, I can have like, all the sex I want and it's, it's awesome. Yeah, there was a YouTube video that I had come across, and this was actually one of the inspirations that I reached out to you about. But this guy was talking about um, not, it was, he was more around no fap. So like no masturbation and channeling that energy into creating, I think in this video was about creating their empire and creating their, um, you know, their, their work. And, and there's a, God, I'm blanking on it, but there's a famous book that's being passed around, um, to men that talks about that, like channeling the energy into creating all this, um, business world, but rich. that's it. Yes, 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 yes. And and that makes me, you know, like I'm, I'm wincing at that because I'm like, I don't, how do we do this without shaming masturbation? You know, cause I, I personally think this is a really important practice to be able to be connected with yourself, to move your sexual energy to, to, um, but you know, I don't want to, we don't want to go back into the, I don't know, what was it? The dark age, I'm going to call it the dark age of, of the sexual shame and like masturbation shame. So how do we find that balance there? Or, or what do you say to men who are, who have read that book and are like, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. This is an awesome topic and it's a deep, deep, deep can of worms. And I think we're talking about a fundamental just shift in our understanding around male sexuality, right? When this book was written, uh, it was like in the early, I, it was many, many, many decades ago, you know, maybe 80, 
or 90 years ago, something like this, right? <laughs> so the concept of non-ejaculatory orgasms was probably not in anybody's mind over here. You know, yeah. it was definitely in other parts of the world where people have been doing these more somatic body-based energetic practices for a long time, uh, but, but not here so much. And so I've read that book. I think it's an awesome book. And I know the chapter that you're talking about, it's the mystery of sex transmutation. Yes. Hill says, he says, oh, this is a great, this is a great thing to do. All the successful men in history have done it. You should do it. Go do this thing. But he doesn't yeah. say actually how to do it, you know? Um, and these other traditions, they do talk about how to do it. But let's see, what do I want to say exactly here? I think that when a lot of people go to NoFap, and this relates, uh, they are realizing that they might have some unhealthy habits with masturbation or porn use or sex, right? And it could be a really helpful thing to press pause on that for a period of 30 days or 90 days or something like that. Just take a break so you can just reevaluate your entire relationship to sex and pleasure. Mm. And that does come with it all kinds of benefits, especially if you're used to watching porn multiple times a week and having mindless masturbation where you just sit still in a chair and like move your hand up and down fast and have like a five second moment of pleasure, you know, like you're going to experience results and benefits if you stop doing that in your life. But then the trick comes when a lot of people go from nofap to starting to try to have sex again, because mm -hmm. they've totally shut this area of their life out and they haven't built any new healthy patterns, you know? Yeah. There's no integration of it. It's just, let me cut it off and, and suppress it or put it away. Totally. So in comes semen retention. And for me, semen retention is like modern yogic sexuality. And to me, semen retention is really how to get the most out of that book, The Mystery of Sex Transmutation, because it's recognizing through the practice of semen retention, you're recognizing that if you do ejaculate, you are quote unquote, letting some of your life force energy go. You're letting something go, you know? whether that's your ability to procreate a child, or if you have a vasectomy, that's some neurological processes that think that you just procreated a child. You know, you're doing something to initiate some process in your body that says, relax, chill out, go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And through semen retention, like you can have sex, you can have non-ejaculatory orgasm, and you can experience all those benefits of sex without going through that process of an ejaculatory orgasm. And therefore, like if you, you, if you then do a practice like yoga or qigong or some sort of visualization or some sort of mindful practice to integrate that heightened, you could call it energy or sensation or stimulation into your body, then you can use that as fuel to, yes, put into your business or your creative projects or anything like that. You know, And a really important point here is that if you are going to have sex and not ejaculate or masturbate and not ejaculate, you have to do something with your body to integrate that experience because you're probably not used to that, you know, and it can be really mm. uncomfortable. A lot of guys might be thinking, well, what about blue balls? Yeah. Well, I'm right. Like I'm here to tell you, I haven't had blue balls in years. I don't even know when the last time is that I have blue balls and I have sex regularly without ejaculating, you know, and, and all these traditions where semen retention came from, like they, they talk about the importance of doing somatic practice. So Qigong is huge in Taoist sexuality. You know, yoga, asana, actual yoga poses was originally, I think, developed for teenage boys to help integrate their rampant sexual energy so they could actually meditate and do important mm. focused things in their life. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you have to do something with this. Otherwise, you're going to get all agitated and pent up and, ah, you know, that's why you see yeah. if, you, if you go on YouTube, you see some videos of guys being like, I just did no fat for 90 days and I feel great. Ah, and they're all like, <laughs> like super tense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this happens, you know? Yeah. So using these practices to move the energy through the body so it doesn't get um, stagnant or localized to just the genitals that where it can be pent up and pressured. Totally. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. I've always heard, because I've heard blue balls, but I wondered if that was a myth used to women so that they would have sex with them. Because I could, I can definitely see that too. Oh, I don't want to have blue balls. You know, you're going to make me have blue balls if you don't have sex with me, right? And so, so you're saying that it's an actual thing. Totally. With a Western medical name called epididymal hypertension. Yeah. 
It's legit. I've experienced it. And interestingly, I did an Instagram post maybe a year, year and a half ago asking like, Hey, are there any women out there who've experienced anything similar to what you've heard of as blue balls? And it was just like, like tons of responses from women saying they experienced similar things like actual pain in their abdomen, like feelings of frustration and pent upness and yeah, literally physical pain. And that's mm-hmm. what blue balls is like. If you have a penis too, it's, it's, you have legit physical pain that hurts. And it feels like the only way you can get out of that is through having an ejaculation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how can a partner support their man who's practicing that? So whether it's because they have blue balls or, or they are practicing the semen retention, how could, yeah, a partner support that? Awesome question. Um, communication. I'm full of them. I got, I got them. <laughs> I'm here uh, for it. Communication. It's, it's, yeah, it's literally as simple as communicating and, and showing up with each other with the intention to support, you know, in the intention for connection and closeness and also a curiosity like, Hey, how can I support you? Just asking these questions. And if you're the guy who's, who's, wanting to explore these practices, you know, educate yourself about them so that you can proactively communicate with your partner about this, because it's still a relatively new phenomenon in the grand scheme of things, you know, like, yes, maybe people listening to sex podcasts might have heard of this. uh, But in, in the grand scheme of things, like, most people are used to sex ending with the ejaculation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're conditioned that way. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> conditioned that way. And people like, a lot of people who have sex with men, like they see sex as being successful if the man has ejaculated. Mm-hmm. And if he hasn't, then it means something is wrong with them as a lover, you know? And that's not true. Yeah. You know, that's something that's come up when I have male clients too. They're like, they're either, if they have difficult time um, with, maintaining an erection or being able to to have an ejaculation and like their partner will feel really hurt and feel like they're not doing something right as a lover what would you say to partners of men like what would you say to them what would i say to partners of men who men who are doing these practices yeah yeah we're doing these practices yeah well i'll just speak personally from my own experience to say what sex, like, what is the purpose of sex? You know, that's a question I would ask. And for me, the purpose of sex is to experience connection and pleasure and intimacy and play and closeness and touch and aliveness and exploration, like a huge list of other things that has nothing to do with whether I ejaculate or not. Hmm. And, and a lot of people see sex as this thing that could be a tension reliever which, which usually ends in ejaculatory or orgasmic focused sex, you know, and that there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I love that sometimes too. I'm still a huge fan of that. But if you can go into the sexual experience without the need for that release, if you've already done some sort of somatic practice or like you've worked out, maybe you went to the gym for an hour and a half or you went on a run and you really did something to, to move your body and, and get your blood going and get your breath going, then maybe when you get into the sexual experience, you won't need to have that release of an orgasm. And then you can just be present with whatever's there in the moment. And for me, I find that there's so much more connection and beauty and intimacy and like raw sexual passion and aliveness when the goal isn't necessarily to have an ejaculatory orgasm. Mm, Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I, I will say like some of the most beautiful sexual experiences I've ever had have happened when I have consciously chosen to not have an ejaculation in sex and then we continue lovemaking for a while into the point of where you have to be vulnerable with each other, you know, because you can only do something with somebody intimately so long before you have to really, truly see each other. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? Well, what, what was that experience like for you? What I mean by that is, is I think a lot of people go to ejaculation or they go to orgasm almost as like an unconscious coping mechanism because there's a fear of true connection and true vulnerability and true presence. Mm. I've certainly done that in the past. 
when I was having sex with somebody and I was like, well, this is all right. I'm not really into this anymore. Like, or, or like, I'm afraid of going there with this person. I think I'm just going to come and, and that, that, it's, you know, done. No question. Yeah. That. Wow. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I, th- I even think about the definition of sex and we think of orgasm or ejaculation as being the reason that we go to it. And so you're inviting more of a different intentionality around it, you know, connection and intimacy and pleasure. And, and, and I, I think even expanding the definition of sex is beyond penetration or beyond, you know, um, uh, yeah, that an orgasm. So it's, it's like, what do you have left? And it's, there's so much, <laughs> but we get so narrow minded. <laughs> yeah. what, what are you doing? Like when you don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's a legit question that I get asked often, you know, and it's like, it's there. Yeah. Like we just, people don't know. And if you had told me 12 years ago that this was possible, I would have probably laughed at you and told you to fuck off. You know? <laughs> Really, because you can still can, laugh at me and tell me to fuck off. <laughs> well, I might, I might. <laughs> but like, yeah, the point of sex for me used to be ejaculation. I even remember one really like kind of like asshole moment in my life when I was with a woman and like, yeah, I, I long story short, I didn't ejaculate in the way that I wanted to, you know? And so I made some sort of offhand comment. Like I could have just done that myself, you know, and I could have been much happier like, what's the point? Like, if you're not going to make me come, you know, wow. why are we even doing this? You know, what a dick. Yeah. yeah. And then so, what? It, and then what? Yeah. Sexual again. We didn't interact again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I felt totally self-righteous in that moment. I was like, you know, like, mm-hmm. your role as a woman, I was all involved in this, you know, mindset that was not great or healthy that I'm not proud of, but that's useful to be able to look back on and say, wow, like this is the programming I got from society. I didn't know better. I was taught sex from porn, you know, and from other people who watched porn. And that's pretty much it until I started discovering these books, you know? Yeah. You know, it's still amazing to me, um, having, when I have male partners and they're, they have some sort of struggle around whether it's erection or, 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 um, uh, ejaculation or, or, uh, and I, share with them my, how I view sex and expanding the definition of it and, and inviting, you know, even soft penises or even like anal play or whatever. And it really just like, I see it in them just go this light in them just go poof. Cause they have never had that permission or they've always been responded to by women as like, Oh, that's okay. You know, as if it's, it's like, ah, well, I'd prefer that, but, you know, I'll be nice to you kind of thing. And here I was like, no, bring it on. Like, there's so much more we can do. So I think for any anybody here who's listening, who has a, who enjoys sex with men, I, I think having those conversations around, you know, redefining sex and really opening it up to these different possibilities is really healing from the collective conditioning around what sex is and what a man's job is and what, how they're supposed to be able to function or perform. Mm -hmm. There was, there was a video that you had had, um, cause I just, I just brought up like anal play. And I think you had talked about prostate stimulation in this video and um, like anal play. And I really want to bring that conversation in here because men definitely don't talk about that one. I can't say anybody's like come to me and like open that conversation. Masturbation, yes, but not so much prostate play. Yeah. Yeah. So should we talk about it? Let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> what questions do you have? <laughs> Hit me or should I just go for it? I, I mean, I feel like you, you know how to take us places there. <laughs> I mean, well, it's we'll such see. a, yeah, it's such a taboo topic. I think because of the cultural homophobia, yeah. you know, of like something inserting there and, and um, any sort of play around the anus, or I've even had partners in the past, you know, I really enjoy that type of play, but yep. in the reciprocating of that, they're like, uh, no, don't do that. You know? And so there's, so what, yeah. What would you say to men who might be on the hesitant or might be curious about it, but not quite there yet? Yeah. I'd say, man, I totally fucking understand 
Like, I get it. I totally get it. I used to be there. I used to be, I used to think that if I, if something went on my butt, I would be gay. And then that would be the end of the world. And then like, I know that that's not true. I have had plenty of things in my ass now. I love <laughs> women like, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not gay. I'm just not attracted to guys in that way. It's just legit. You know, I've experimented enough to this point to understand that that's true and nothing going in and around of my butt has affected that. Yeah. And it's like, it brings up almost like, I'm just still, I'm a little like pissed off about society in some ways. Like, fuck man. Like, fuck man. Uh, <laughs> fuck homophobia. <laughs> you know, like fuck all these stories that we've gotten that have said that some part of our body is a certain way or isn't a certain way. That's like created mm -hmm. such fear around pleasure. Like really all we're talking about here is finding pleasure in your body and whatever way you find pleasure in your body is fucking beautiful. And it's awesome. And mm -hmm. like, if it feels good, it feels good. It's not oriented to any particular way or not, you know? And for me, it's like, if you have the experience of being in a human body where you can experience sensation, like hey, fucking congratulations, because you're on a planet floating through space, you could have been an ant or a blade of grass, but somehow you're a human. That's incredible. Right. Like, wouldn't you want to explore all the pleasure that you could possibly experience? Like, did you know that the nerve, the same nerve that goes to the tip of your penis that also goes to the clitoris and that kind of body, like has a branch that goes to the anal region for specifically that will make you experience sexual stimulation and sexual pleasure. Like, yes. did you know that you have a button inside of your anus that's like orgasm intensifier times 10? You know, it's like this button that if you press it, it just makes everything more pleasurable. It's like, why would you not want to explore that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Why would you, why would you not want more orgasmic potential? Like that totally. just sounds like a silly thing. Yeah. Like if you're sitting here listening to me and you're realizing that I've had fingers in my butt, I've had toys in my butt. My girlfriend has even fucked me with a strap on. I still yes. love women and like, I'm not gay. Like there's evidence for you that this is truth <laughs> you know? and there's so much pleasure to be had like seriously yeah. like having having somebody give you a head while stimulating your prostate it's like psychedelic almost you know yes. psychedelically pleasurable it's crazy it's so yes i remember the first time that I pegged somebody with a strap on. I had the strap on on upside down and it was not working. I was like, I'm sorry, I don't have a dick. I don't know. Like, <laughs> nice. nice. It was great. It ended up working out and it was, it was really, it was actually really powerful to be in that position and like feel like I had a cock and I was like, eh, now I feel what it's like. You know, it's very yeah. powerful. Yeah. So for you having that, experience of um uh going into anal player prostate stimulation the first time that you did that what was that like for you like did you do prep work around it did you do some mental like okay here we go <laughs> like pep talk about yourself like we're doing it we're sticking it up there yeah uh, yeah well i didn't go straight from zero to prostate stimulation that's <laughs> <laughs> that's for damn sure i started just exploring while i was masturbating in the shower you know just like touching the outside of that area of my body with curiosity like oh does this feel good does this feel good ah it feels good ah, that's pretty nice oh that doesn't feel so good you know just like light exploration just slowly mm -hmm. opened my mind you know to the possibility like oh maybe there's something here like certainly there's a reason people enjoy this like i want to figure out what that is you know mm -hmm. And then, then realizing like it actually, yeah, it's like putting your own finger inside of yourself is not a big deal at all. And it's actually really easy. You just get some lube and you go for it and see what happens. And I think you might be surprised at how pleasurable it actually is. Mm -hmm. And so if we thought, talk about the anatomy of um, like the prostate inside, if somebody's looking for that magic button, what would you, how would you describe them in their own exploration? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, it's very similar to in physical orientation to where G-spot stimulation might be inside of a vagina, you know? And so if you're wanting to explore this uh, on your own first, a position I recommend is standing up in the shower and you literally put your thumb into a thumbs up position 
<laughs> like you're giving somebody the thumbs up and put some lube on it, then reach around behind yourself and you can insert your thumb into your anus while you're self-pleasuring. And the pad, the thick pad of your thumb will actually be in the perfect position to touch your prostate and to stimulate mm. it. And you will know when it is happening. Like <laughs> you, won't be, <laughs> you won't be uncertain if you're stimulating your prostate or not once you actually touch it. You, know? you will know. Yeah. 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 And what I would say is that generally speaking, I and the, all the other guys I've talked to who've done this, um, it's generally much more pleasurable to have stimulation on your penis first before you start doing anal pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like, and then once you're starting to experience sexual pleasure with an erection, then maybe try going for, you know, anal pleasure because it's, it's really, for me personally, prostate stimulation is more of an amplifier than it is pleasure on its own. Mm. And I've experimented with this. If my girlfriend sticks her fingers inside of me and tries to stimulate my prostate in a way that you, one might do with a vagina, like it's not, it doesn't feel sexually pleasurable to me. But if mm. all of a sudden my penis is being stimulated at the same time, it's just like, whoa. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up. And I think, and when I'm talking to people about um, anal sex or anal play, I also say something similar because I think it's important to have a higher state of arousal, you know, with because the blood helps um, with, you know, relaxing the muscles and, and bringing more um, circulation into the area that helps with, with pleasure. So I can imagine that has a similar um similar similar reasoning around that too sure yeah. yeah and then once you get aroused like all of a sudden everything just sounds more hot <laughs> right <laughs> it's true it's so true yeah are there specific toys that people can or guys can um can look at because I, I mean you know we talk a lot about um, and maybe we don't talk a lot about, maybe guys don't talk about toys and masturbation or, or anal play. We generally don't. We generally <laughs> don't talk about this stuff so much with each other. Yeah. So what, what, for a guy who's wanting to lean into that edge and explore more, what sort of toys are out there that are made f specifically for them? There's a bunch, you know, there's a bunch. Um, I don't know if you like I have an article. I wrote an article called like the best anal sex toys for men. You could probably Ooh. Google it and find it. It's got my favorite ones in there. I've owned and tried all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Various butt plugs, various prostate stimulating toys. Like there's, there's just a whole list, you know, there's, there's. I'll yeah, put the link in the show notes. Do that. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. Cause there's some awesome stuff out there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I th and I remember reading an article that you did about the fleshlight too. Mm -hmm. And so that's like a masturbatory sleeve that looks like a vagina and yeah. probably feels really good. Again, I don't have a penis, so I can only ask other people. <laughs> it does. It does feel really good. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, there's some people still feel strange about the fleshlight, you know? And for me, it's like, wow, that's odd you know like why not develop something that feels really good for sexual stimulation and pleasure like people with vaginas you have like dildos and vibrators galore and <laughs> certainly there could be toys for us to stick our penises into that would feel good you know why not it's funny because I see this across the across communities too of um, being in the conscious community too for men and for women. You know, the looking at what was one that I heard. I was at a workshop and the woman said, "Don't use toys like vibrators. Don't use toys." They didn't say flashlight, but but I would wonder about this too of because they aren't natural and they aren't, you know. Um, uh, I think they were encouraging the connection with your hand and it almost, it, it, I don't think they understood how there's an undercurrent of shame there <laughs> when, when we're communicating in that way. I think of, I think any of these toys can be implements of sacredness and it doesn't mean that they have to look a certain way or be this, this thing. Um, it's almost like we're trying to control and tell other people what their pleasure or, or pleasure adventures are supposed to look like. For sure. And it's like, I want to ask that person, okay, so you want to only touch with your hand? Like when is the fucking, when's the last time you tried brushing your teeth with your finger only? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. yeah, there are reasons we develop things, you know, yes, have a great connection with your hand and connection with yourself and your body. And that's beautiful for sure. And there are 
tools that we have created as an intelligent species that serve to amplify the effectiveness of pleasure or of cleaning your teeth you know, like whatever, you know? Yeah. It's like, like the idea of a vibrating toothbrush versus a regular toothbrush. It's just, yeah, it, it, there's no, I, I think there is a lot of shame around, especially vibrators in general of saying like, you shouldn't vi- use a vibrator. It's going to, you know, ruin your sensory organs and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. But I, yeah, everybody and their mom wants to tell you how to have your own pleasure in sex. <laughs> yeah, everybody has the best ideas, and no one else's ideas are the best. Either. Right. You know, for right. some people, using a vibrator allows them to have an orgasm for the first time, and then it just unlocks pleasure for them. Like you, mm-hmm. you never, you never know. One you time, know. I brought a flashlight to a party uh, in <laughs> where I live, just out of curiosity, because the theme of this party was show up as a sketch ball in some way. Right. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to play into the stereotype. So I wore like cheesy polo shirt and just a super cheese ball outfit. And then I stuck a flashlight into my belt with my tucked in cheesy polo shirt. So it was just sticking out at waist level. This just like vagina emanating into the world, you know, <laughs> and just showed up with a six pack of shitty beer and walked inside and like, at first I, I had a little bit of shame, not shame, but like there, I could still feel this concern, even with uh-huh. all the stuff I talk about, this was last year. Like even with all the stuff I talk about showing up with this, this flashlight at this party of people, you know, who knew me turns out at first people were like, Oh, gross. Uh. But then I think almost everybody at this party stuck their fingers in this thing. They wanted to yeah. see what it felt like. They were so curious. They're like, wow, I can't believe I've never touched one of these before. Well, whoa. Like one woman even like was trying to play it like a trombone just for fun, you know? What? That's amazing. You know, and for, wow. me, for me, it just highlighted the fact that we are so, we're really curious sexual beings. And while we might all have this societally imposed layer of shame and judgment on top, like mm-hmm. underneath that, like, I think most people really want to explore and experience more pleasure than they can possibly imagine, you know, and it's like, you just have to break through that little layer at the top to get to this well of amazingness that's underneath. It's true. And it's not such a shallow layer either. It's multi layers of all these social conditioning that we have to push there. And we see the other side. We were like, yes, I want, I want that. But it's, it's such a trip. Yeah. So I've got a couple of listener questions from, uh, for those of you who follow me on Instagram at sex, love yoga, I take followers questions and put them to my guest experts. So some of these, these are good. These are good. Um, First question is good anal lube recommendations. Yeah. So I'm not endorsed by by any of these companies, but my favorite is Uber Lube. I just think it's great. Me too. I love Uber Lube. That's my favorite. I used it this morning. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) I used it. Yeah. Last night with my my, um, Jade dildo. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> it, awesome. it doesn't taste like anything. It doesn't smell like anything. And it feels amazing. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's And it great. feels like silk. It's just like silky smooth. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice. And if you're listening, Uber Lube, I, I would like a, a few boxes delivered to my door for this unpaid endorsement, <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Um, my boyfriend has ED at times. What can I do? Yeah. Well, definitely shame him immediately. <laughs> <laughs> joke. Obvi- hopefully that's obviously a joke. Like open communication. Like if you can approach that with curiosity, just like, hey, I noticed this thing happened. Are you open to talking about it? Mm. Creating the opportunity for him to say yes or no to that conversation. And then if he says no, like ask him, okay, do you think you might be open to talking about this at some point in the future? Mm. you're creating an agreement field right up front then before you go into anything else because chances are he has some feelings about that if he hasn't expressed them to you you know Mm -hmm. yeah we have so much wrapped up in whether we're hard or not in any given moment and start with an inquiry as to whether or not he's even open to talking about it Mm. and then approach with curiosity 
I love that. Yeah. I'm also going to tag on there too, like learning about how to play with a soft penis or yeah. even have sex with a soft penis because there's, there's so much sensitivity that can be felt with a soft penis and so much um, uh, flow of energy that can happen with a soft penis and it can be really fun. I remember giving somebody, probably I'm going to take credit for, it was probably the best head of his life, but um, <laughs> it was, it was with a soft penis and like having, of course, I was also moving some tantric energy through my body with it, but having him breathing deeply, like in and out of the mouth as I was pleasuring him and like it was brought him to tears. But there's so much that can happen with with a with a um, soft penis that I don't think it has to you don't have to have a hard penis. That's part of the cultural conditioning that we have to in order to have good sex or be a good lover totally yeah agreed <laughs> okay uh last question what are your thoughts about porn okay so we started that conversation earlier yeah do you think it's bad or or what would you what would you say to people i have a hard time saying anything is inherently bad or good i think it's how we use it you know mm. how do we incorporate it into our lives i think porn is incredibly dangerous in the sense that it's super addictive and it's it's very like almost all of it is not representative of actual intimacy between real humans you know mm -hmm. so if you're able to watch it knowing all of those things and not getting hooked into it and not making patterns out of it sure why not and mm -hmm. i do I, I would say like personally i enjoy watching porn when i'm with a partner because then there's that element of human connection in the moment with a real person and we can watch this thing and get some ideas and be aroused together and then interact in bodies mm. but like what i've always found is if i watch porn by myself like i'm left with some sort of empty feeling afterwards you know like because really i've been getting aroused by millions of little dots on a screen that have no interaction with me at all and there's mm. something lacking there you know so I don't think it's inherently bad or good. I think it has the potential for both. And I think for most guys, it has way more of a potential for pain and problems than, than the other way around. So yeah. use intentionally. Yeah. So they don't have to get rid of their OnlyFans account, but they need to realize that it's how it's impacting them and how it, um, how it isn't representing the natural, um, real intimacy. Totally. Or maybe yeah. you do need to get rid of your OnlyFans account for 30 days just so you can like create some new healthy patterns for yourself. Like, yeah, yeah create some new healthy sexual patterns. Yeah, I love that. Oh, this is so great. Taylor, this whole conversation, I'm just, I'm buzzing. And I had so many, so many more questions, but we'll have to pause there. <laughs> How yeah. can people find more about you? Where can they connect with you? I'm on Instagram at Taylor Clark Johnson. And my website is taylorjohnson.life. I've got a few courses for guys that you can take whenever you want, all about how to have non-ejaculatory orgasms and last longer in bed, all that good stuff. And then a semen retention course too that's separate. It's specifically more of the lifestyle design around living your best life and incorporating the sexual energy and transmuting it like the practices in that book we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, Grow Rich, like how to actually do that for your creative projects or your business. Mm, fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I feel like we could have talked for about five more hours. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy.